Why didn't you tell me? You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. When that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? From a certain point of view. A certain point of view? From a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Is true. From a certain point of view. It's true. From a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke will only find the many of the truths we cling to. It then richly on our own point of view. So what I told you was true. From a certain point of view. Luke you will find the many of the truths we cling to. Depend greatly on our own point of view. From a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Jason and this is Gabe and this week we are talking all about a certain point of view book number two all about the Empire Strikes Back it came out about a week ago we did an episode all the way back in 2017 it was episode 95 about the the other one the certain point of view for a new hope it was so much fun and I don't know there's a long, long, long history of Star Wars and like these short story anthology books. And that really, these anthology books was kind of how I started reading Star Wars. I think the first ever like Star Wars EU anything I ever read, I think, was the the Tales from the Cantina and the Tales from Jabba's Palace. Because I think it was like one day I was like, I want to read some of these Star Wars books I hear are really good. I don't know who any of these other like Thrawn characters are, but I know about Hammerhead and I know Bib Fortuna and I want to learn more about them. Well, it's fun too, because this is almost like the equivalent of a Star Wars TV show in a way, but in a book form or story form that you don't have to invest a lot of time in, in a two hour movie. You can just kind of get a 30 minute episode of a story and 
it's kind of nice to get the variety. However, 40 stories is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're going to read this book, give yourself some time because it's these are I don't remember them being so jam packed with so many stories. But yeah, I guess the last one was 40 as well. So as we're going to get into as we talk about each and every one of them, they just like the New Hope book, they tend to very wildly in their tone and quality and <laughs> ones that connect with you. And you'll read one and be like, wow, holy jeez!" And then you go to like the next one. And you're like, ah. but the new hope one was the same way. And that's, I, I think that's just the way it's going to go. I mean, even like I say, even like the, there was the tales from the cantina Jabba's palace. There was the tales from the new Republic. There was the tales of the bounty hunters. I think there was a Tales from the Empire, too. Maybe. I could be making that up. But I remember even those were, they had stories that were incredible. And then some stories where it was like, I've been reading this short story for four days, and I don't think this is a short story. Yeah, but that's the, I guess, the beauty of, a, of an anthology book is chances are there's something in there that you're going to really enjoy. And the story that's your favorite might not be someone else's favorite and the one that you just can't stand is probably someone else's favorite so everybody wins there's literally a story for everyone and there's a story for everyone like the opposite way like in the universe way is also a very star wars thing i feel like where a book like this can exist for star wars where literally everyone no matter how big or small in the empire strikes back or even people you didn't even see at all in the empire strikes back people maybe you thought maybe existed can have this elaborate backstory and it'll be here in this book. That's, it's a very Star Wars thing that everyone has a story. So like Star Trek isn't even like that, where every background character everywhere has a fully developed story. Pablo named them. They're in the visual dictionary. Yeah, and there's definitely a wide variety of characters and stories as far as everything from animals to space creatures to bounty hunters to droids it's it's all here but the interesting thing i found with this book versus the new hope one too is that just empire is you know like we've said over and over and over again such a different kind of movie than star wars it's like when we do episodes with Tom Spina or something and we're talking about like creatures and aliens and it's always kind of like in Empire there's Tauntauns and Wampas and Ugnaughts kind of and a Minoc or two a space slug there aren't as many creatures Empire is a movie more about people and dialogue a book like this for the Empire Strikes Back has to really kind of dig in there to really tell 40 stories about background characters. Well, it's also kind of sticking to maybe somewhat the tone of Empire, where it's a little more somber and a little more serious. Like, I think there's what, like 15 stories where the main character dies at the end in this book. Like, it's kind of a downer at times. But there's also, you know, some fun stuff mixed in there. But yeah, definitely overall as as a whole has a different feel than the... A New Hope one because it's kind of sticking to the to the tone and feel of the movie that it's based on. Yeah, all, all the stories just circle around exactly what we see on screen. Maybe more so than the New Hope one where 
you get a lot of scenes from the Empire Strikes Back just in the stories. Like you're reading the dialogue from the movie and things kind of weave in and out of scenes. Yeah, I think it did feel like that was more the case in this one than than last time. But that could just be that it's it's been three years since the last book came out. But it's it's a longer book than the New Hope one. I feel like some of the stories go on a lot longer than the New Hope one. I don't. I I know it's at least a hundred pages more than the 2017 one. It's like I was saying. It, there's less like stuff going on in the corners of the screen for a lot of the Empire Strikes Back. It's like the the book has a lot of Echo Base stuff. It has a lot of Cloud City stuff. And that makes sense because that's where kind of there's a lot of things going on. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's kind of if you want to find a character on screen to that isn't a main character and come up with a story, those are really your only choices because the rest of the movie is literally Luke and Yoda on Dagobah or Han and Leia and the droids and Chewie on the Falcon. Like there's not a lot of background stuff going on in Empire Strikes Back in the middle. It's it's very much, yeah, just a few characters. So the, yeah, you do. It does make sense. There ended up being a lot of the, a lot, lot of stories. It seemed it felt like for the uh, Echo Bay stuff, and then yeah, when you got to Cloud City, there was quite a few as well. But in in the last book, it was kind of that way. With it felt like there was a million stories on the blockade runner from the beginning of the movie. Yeah, a huge chunk of the 2017 book was on the Death Star. I remember it's like whoa. <laughs> There's a lot of Death Star stuff, and there was a lot of Tatooine stuff on the first one. There were Jawa stories. There was Tuscan stories. There was the amazing Baru story. There was the Cantina story. But overall, you know, I, I love these books, and I really enjoyed the Empire Strikes Back one. Yeah, like like we're going to get into, there's stories that worked for me and stories that didn't. But part of the whole thing, I feel like, with reading these books is just like, well, yeah, that one didn't work too well, but what's the next one? Oh, my God. And then you like the, the little illustration of what the story is going to be like, well, the next one's Ugnaughts. So but I, I just got two more stories and then I can get to the Ugnaughts one. Or. Yeah, I'm, I agree to that. This is uh, it's a really enjoyable book. And like I was saying earlier, there's definitely something for everyone. And like with Tales from the Most Eisley Cantina and those type of books, if you're not big into the Star Wars books, it, but you feel like picking up a Star Wars book, this is definitely a good starting point because it gives you a lot of variety in one book and a lot of book. If you're taking your time, you can get a couple weeks out of this book. Well, and I, I love short story collections in general. Just I just like being able to just pick up and read a little story here and there when you have time. The weird marriage of Star Wars and short story anthologies. I'm just happy it's still going. It was such a clever idea to do the anthology and for the 40th anniversary, do 40 stories. Like, I don't know, it just, it, it kind of came together and I got to give them credit just for going with, with the idea. Maybe in 10 years, we'll get 50 stories for the 50th and they'll just keep doing it until the books are too heavy to lift. I don't know, but I'm glad they did it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to Return of the Jedi and, in a couple more years. I can't even think about that. <laughs> a Crix, a Crix Madine story. If we're lucky, there'll be like five Crix Madine stories because that's all everyone will want to write about. And they'll have to let multiple people write stories about it. 
that ever happened is about to happen again. The Empire strikes back. Han Solo is back. <laughs> Fuzzball. Princess Leia is back. I just assumed he's a Wookiee. I can arrange that. Yoda's back. In fact, the whole gang is back. Join me. The Empire strikes back for a special limited engagement. Rated PG. Wait, let me Now playing at a theater near you. So thanks to our friends at Delray Books, they were able to send us a couple copies and we were able to start digging in so we can get the episode out a week after the book actually came out for sale. So yeah, if you haven't read the book yet already and you're thinking, oh, I kind of want to read this book, I don't want to know everything about it, stop listening right now. We'll be back next week with another all new episode because <laughs> we're going to get into the nitty gritty of this book. We're going to talk about each and every story in the book, we're going to rate each one. We, if you are familiar with the the episode ninety five for the for the New Hope one, we've got three ratings of our personal opinion. We got a certain point of Wizard, which is the highest score. We got a certain point of Possibly, which is the middle score for I don't know, and we got a certain point of Poodoo for stories we just didn't connect with at all. It's a very fair rating system. Very scientific. It's science, science approved. We took it to a team of doctors and scientists, and they said that is the best possible thing you could do to rate an anthology of 40 short stories from background characters from The Empire Strikes Back. So, Gabe, what is the first story in a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back? The first story is Eyes of the Empire by Kirsten White. It's about the probe droids. And the people that love and control the probe droids. Yeah, this was interesting because it kind of flipped the idea of probe droids from being, I guess, droids to being more like a drone or something that actually can be controlled by a human. And and they can actually watch the footage kind of either as it happens or they're watching like recorded footage, which is very different than I ever imagined probe droids. I think I always thought that they were just, you know, full on robots and they're just sending back words to the empire or but i guess we did see a picture of the of the shield generator so i so i guess they always did send pictures back but yeah it was interesting i yeah i always thought there was like sweet sweet music there somewhere yeah it was interesting it was fun it was fine but i didn't finish the pro droid one being like holy i don't know for me i gotta go a certain point of possibly I'm in the same boat. It was a certain point of possibly as well. It kept my attention, but I didn't do the splits like James Brown at the end and run down the street high five in my neighbors, which may have happened with other stories. No. Another day for your neighbors. So it goes Gabe. He's running down the street naked. Probably something about Star Wars. He's reading one of them Star Wars books again. From a certain point of possibly. So the next story is Hunger by Mark Oshiro. About our uh, fuzzy friends, the Wampas. I thought this one was really interesting. It wasn't what I was expecting at all with a story about the Wampas. It made me love the Wampas in a way I didn't know I could love Wampas. It made me feel for the Wampas, which I really appreciate. Also, it explains how the age-old question has confused humankind for the past 40 years of how the wampa gets luke 
up into the ceiling of the ice cave. I think maybe we thought for a while that the wampa might have peed to get <laughs> Luke up there. No, he licked it. it. It was worth it just for written confirmation that the wampa just licked his feet so that they would stick to the ice. The answer was right in front of us the whole time. I was like, okay. Yeah, it, it wasn't what I thought it would be. It had a happy ending. It was interesting. Well, it kind of had a happy ending. It had like a hopeful ending. He had hope he would find his Wampa family, but he didn't really find them yet, I don't think. Yeah, he still was missing an arm, too, our, our Wampa hero. So I just, I have such a hard time with Wampa stories because I still feel like the robot chicken version of what happens to the Wampa after Empire is still one of the best non movie Star Wars things. The animation in that is so goofy yet heartfelt <laughs> at the same time that any other Wampa story I just has to live up to that to me. Again, I would have to go possibly, though, because good, but yeah, I wasn't doing a cartwheel down the stairs of my house or anything. That one was possibly for me, too. It was a solid Star Wars story. From a certain point. Possibly. All right, next up is Ion Control by Emily Skrutsky. Skrutsky. All about the wonderful, mysterious hero of The Empire Strikes Back, Torin Far. I've been waiting my whole life, and people could be like, you just be sarcastic. No, I really have. I've loved Torin Far forever. I've always wanted to know more about Torin Far. And I don't know, for me, this story did not disappoint as a longtime Torin Far admi- admirer. I really I liked this one. I liked the beginning with the, the gossip of kind of the, the echo based control room of them talking about Han and Leia taking their bets on what's going on and eavesdropping with Han and Leia and the tension there and her firing the ion cannon. I mean, the firing of the ion ion cannon is one of my favorite parts in the Empire Strikes Back in general. Like it's like a warm blanket. It's soothing for my soul when the ion cannon fires and the the transport gets away and all that. So yeah, I I don't know. I really like this story as I was like into this. I'm like, there's general Riken. There's all my buddies. I liked this one. It was okay. I guess I didn't. I didn't get sucked in as much as you. And I think I just didn't realize. I didn't realize that Torin Far was was actually already a character that people knew about. And now that you're talking about that and looking at her action figure, now I'm like, oh, okay. Now I know who that was. <laughs> and I think this was one of the the first of the stories that went longer than usual. I think maybe that got to me that. I kind of lost interest, even though it had a lot of good parts. Yeah, I think it's a possibly for me. I don't know. I'm giving it a wizard. It's my first wizard. Our first wizard of the day. Yay! From a certain point. Possibly. From a certain point. We think! All right, next up is A Good Kiss by C.B. Lee. This one is all about... This guy, Chase. He works in the kitchen in Echo Base, which I appreciate. I was like, ah, yeah. What do they eat? The big thing is he is the the guy that dashes in between Han and Leia. Like, huh? You could use a good kiss and all that stuff. But yeah, we really get into Chase's life. He's like a delivery guy and he knows all the, the hallways and tunnels of Echo Base really well. He's got big dreams and he ends up to be a hero. Is a really nice story with his boyfriend that I really appreciated. I was like, ah. the Tauntaun Wrangler, right? Was his boyfriend? Yes. And there's there's the 
a tauntaun named Sunshine. Yes. Which I was like, I, you know, yeah. if we we got a tauntaun named Sunshine, I'm already invested in this story. And I, I thought this one was really nice. It was a nice kind of change of pace from the Torrin Far story, where that one was, you know, Torrin Far's story was very kind of small, but yet epic at the same time, where this one was just kind of nice. Yeah, well, and it was nice, too, because it, it had a, a happy ending, which we get into a, a a bunch of not happy ending ones coming up. So, yeah, it was just like a nice, light, good story. And I give a good kiss a, a wizard. I'm still going to give it a possibly. It was solid. Okay. Right. From a certain point. From a certain point. Possibly. The next one is She Will Keep Them Warm by Delilah S. Dawson. This is a story of the mother of Luke's Tauntaun. Yeah, so this one I at first was just like, uh, do I like this one? But props to this story. Shout out to this story for sucking me in. Because by the end, I was into it. Once it started to unfold and I started to be like, oh, okay. So Han's out there looking for Luke. And Han's Tauntaun is looking for Luke's Tauntaun. Yes. And I was like, okay, that's gold. And by the end, I was sold. So, again, shout out to the story for at first being like, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm into this. But then by the end, I was like, I'm into this. So, this one, I don't know. I'm giving out lots of wizards. I'm in a wizard kind of mood. Yeah. I'm giving – but <laughs> there's, there's, there's some that aren't wizards coming up. But I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give this one a wizard for, for – Turning turning the tide for me. I had the same feeling starting out with this one as you, but I don't think it won me over as much by the end. It's one that, thinking about it afterwards, I think I'm more into it than while I was reading it. I think there's just something like, it was very serious for a story about Tauntauns, and I think I just wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I, I can see that. I can see that. It's it's a, another possibly. I'm on a possibly roll right now. From a certain point of from a certain point, possibly. But I will say overall, the this book took me a little while to warm up because I feel like, and maybe it is just because it's following Empire so much that I was kind of getting burned out on Echo Base stories. And I think that's one of the one of the downsides maybe of an anthology is because each story is self-contained. If you read like 10 stories all about Echo Base, it kind of can get monotonous because it's not like the story's progressing. You're literally, you read one story and then it kind of, you're starting over, but you're always in Echo Bay. So I think uh, I'm looking forward to maybe going back and rereading some of these kind of spread out instead of, you know, reading them all. Because I think I read all the Echo Bay ones like in one day and, it, <laughs> and maybe that was too much. Well, that's the neat thing too. It's like now that we've read them and even like th thinking about going back to the New Hope one, like I swear I can probably pick up the New Hope one and be like, I have no memory of reading this story whatsoever and just spend like 30 minutes or something reading a little short story. That's the great thing with these books. So, All right, next on the list is Heroes of the Rebellion by Amy Ratcliffe. Yeah, this one is interesting. It's about a, uh, a propagandist. Uh, writing for the Rebel Alliance named Corwi. A new character, not seen on screen. It's, a, it's an interesting idea where 
Corwy wants to like, interview Luke Skywalker and kind of the observations of going around Echo Base. I, I liked that whole idea of the Rebel Alliance propagandist. In the end, the story just kind of was just like, okay, that was good. But it didn't grab me too much, really. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I had a similar reaction. The thing with this one, and I think it might just be my personal preference with reading stories that this one was a lot of the type of story where the author's just kind of telling you about people. And it was, wasn't for a while into the story that you started to actually read interactions between the character and other people. Like it was a lot of just someone telling you about somebody and those types of um, that style of story just doesn't, I think suck me in as much as authors that do more, you know, dialogue between characters talking to each other and kind of, almost like a more visual writing. And this was more somebody telling you a story as opposed to seeing a story, even though you're, you know, you're reading words, if that makes sense. (laughs) I I think so. I I think I feel, follow you. Yeah. So it just kind of never really grabbed me as much as, as some of the other ones. I thought it was fine. It was good. Uh, I give it a, I'm giving it a solid possibly. Yeah. Keeping my, my streak here. I was a possibly. From a certain point. Possibly. All right, next up is Rogue Two by Gary Whitta. All about a favorite of ours, Zev. This is Rogue Two. I found them. Repeat, I found them. We've been a big fan of Rogue Two for a long time. This one, I was was really into it. I think just because I was just like, oh, yeah, we're getting to the Zev story. Here we go. I loved the whole idea of them naming Rogue Squadron after Rogue One. And the whole idea that Jin Erso and that crew already in the Empire Strikes Back are kind of legends, like inspiring legends. And people say, like, you know, Jin Erso said rebellions are built on hope. And I was just like, yes, yes. I was excited when I got to this one, but the actual story didn't keep my excitement. Yeah. I felt like this story was always going somewhere. I felt like it was building to something that kind of never happened because in the end, it's just Zev finding Han and Luke out on like the plains of Hoth. And then it just kind of ends. And I was just like, it's all this like rousing, like, remember how great Rogue One is? And I was just like, yes, I do every day. And then I found them. Repeat, I found them. And it's like, is that? (laughs) That's all it is? Well, and for me, I, maybe I was just, it was too much expectation of like, oh, it's going to be all about Zev. It's going to be so much fun. And it was another one of those ones where like the first half of the story is just the author telling you, this, I, this is Zev. He does this, he does that. And it kind of opens up a little more later on when they're talking about going out to find Han and Luke and they want to do the, Zev wants to bet on it. And then Leia comes in and says, that's great. I'm going to take that bet and all that. Like it, it. But yeah, then like you're saying, it, it you really kind of get once you start to get into it, that it just stops. And also up to that point, I feel like there was a lot of callbacks to rebellions are built on hope. And actually, I think there's a couple more stories afterwards. And it's almost one of those things where if you just read one story at a time, you're like, oh, that's cool. But then if you read them all at once, it starts to be like, I just I just read this. <laughs> it's like I just heard about hope and rebellions built on hope. So I was fine with that. I was like, you can keep taking stuff out of that rogue one pot of gold it's fine with me it makes me just want to go watch rogue one again 
I don't know how to rate this one. I don't know. Um, I might just have to do possibly because it was almost a wizard. It it wasn't poodoo. So yeah, it's possibly. From a certain point. Possibly. All right. Next up is Kendall by Charles Yu. At first, I was just, I was like, is this going to be about Kendall College of Art and Design? <laughs> is this going to be a, a story about Jason and Gabe in the mid-1990s in Grand Rapids, Michigan? No, it's about Kendall Ozzel, our favorite, choked out by Vader. And I was, you know, it's just like, okay, here we go. We're going to get a lot of, like, like Imperial officer stories, which makes sense for the Empire Strikes Back. We got to know about all those goofballs dying left and right in the Empire Strikes Back. This one, though, surprised me because we are learning about Kendall Ozzel. We didn't even know his first name was Kendall. And him being a boy in a mountain village on Caridia, Caridia or whatever his home planet was, Talking about his mother's stew, like as he dies, he's like going back in time, like reliving like his youth and like where did it all go wrong? When did he stop being Kendall and became Ozzel? And I was just like, okay, we're going deeper into Ozzel than I ever would have imagined. This is what these books are for. The story was Ozzel this world. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's like, it's funny because I'm very inconsistent because a lot of times, like, oh, this story is too serious. I'm not into it. But the fact that they basically went completely serious with Ozzel and the framing of it, where it's basically him, his life flashing before his eyes as he's literally getting choked out and losing consciousness, was just a really cool way to frame the story. And then, yeah, basically having a really kind of serious backstory of him and his, his, him almost getting married and then, you know, the relationship falling apart because he chose the empire over his fiance. And then, yeah, just the revelation at the end that he's trying to remember his friend as a kid. And it's really just him remembering himself and yeah, eating his mom's stew. It's like, I didn't expect to get choked up thinking about Admiral Ozzel. <laughs> so, wizard. Yeah, wizard. My first wizard. From a certain point. Okay, next story is Against All Odds by R.F. Quang. All about Dak. And this is another one I was like, oh boy, here we go. Right now I feel like I could take on the whole empire myself. Dak is a legend. I don't know, this story though, it just, it goes through the scene. I don't know, I just, I, I, was, I was a little bummed out by the Dak story. I was kind of, I had high hopes, high expectations, but it didn't really do much for me. Same with some of the other ones where it just kind of felt like it was going through the motions maybe. And it was just kind of like I'm hearing about Dak, but I'm not really like experiencing a Dak adventure. Um, and it's another one where the character dies at the end. <laughs> so it's like if you're going to have a downer, you kind of got to you got to do something with it. And coming right after Ozzel, like the bar was set pretty high. And it's like with Dak, when he's in the back of the snow speeder, like he dies, but he's still like kind of conscious, they're saying. And it's like he's listening to basically the whole Battle of Hoth, which is then just kind of weird because then it's like the story is just going through the Battle of Hoth. And you're kind of like, yeah, I know. I've seen it many times. I've heard about that that scene in that movie. Maybe I should watch it sometime. This book is describing it pretty well. I don't know. Uh, uh, I always feel bad giving something like a bad rating but i don't uh, i gotta do poodoo 
Oh, wow. Oh, I think it's still, it's still a possibly, I think you got to really offend me to get a poodoo. <laughs> so I, I'm going to stick with possibly. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Possibly. Next story is Beyond Hope by Michael Morici. It's kind of cool. It's a hot, trench hoth warfare of just the guys in the trenches. This is one where I really wasn't sure at first. because I feel like all these ones that kind of aren't like, it's about Dak or it's about Ozzel or the, the ones that are kind of just about people we didn't see on screen or people that aren't about someone specific, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They, you know, you, when you go in, you're like, Oh, what's the next story? Oh, so a lot of these stories kind of win you over a little bit. And this, this one did for me because I was just like, okay, this is like a, just a straight, like trench warfare kind of story. This is like a, a pulp war short story. And I'm not sound like I'm really familiar with those, but I was kind of like, okay. Uh, yeah, it won me over by the end. Well, and it's definitely that's not something that we get a lot of stories of of just the the grunts out on the snow in the Battle of Hoth. Like it, it everyone wants to write stories and tell stories about the snow speeder pilots or the at at battle. Like so, it was kind of cool to get a, a down in the trenches thing. This was another one though, where I think twice in the story they bring up rebellions are built on hope. So like that was a little. I think I was rolling my eyes a little bit at that point. Uh, overall. I thought it was yeah, it was a solid story, and I don't, it's another possibly. I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna give this one a solid possibly from a certain point of possibly. All right, moving along. The next one is the truest duty by Christy Golden, all about Veers. Wonderful, all about Veers, which is great because like the whole time reading it, yeah. I'm thinking of Walter Donovan from like Last Crusade. Of uh, Julian Glover, just imagining his face through the whole thing as Veers. Veers' undying loyalty to Vader. I, know, I really enjoyed this one, just, you know, because it's Veers. Veers is legendary, which is amazing and wonderful that General Veers, like what, in the past 10 years or something, has become like this incredible cult figure, which it's so great. And uh, yeah, I, I, I dug this one. Yeah, I did too. And maybe I, I was biased because it was Veers, but I don't know. Being excited because I like the character didn't necessarily help some of the earlier stories. So I think this one this one pulled it off of, yeah, I felt like I knew Veers much better after this story. And I could like be inside his head and understand him. So I, I really enjoyed this one. And, and this is a, another wizard from me. Another, yeah, I give this one a, a wizard. My only weird thing I had with this one, though, is on page 128, Veers says target maximum power. And in the movie, doesn't he say target maximum firepower? Target maximum firepower. There was another one of the stories where there was a line from the movie, and I felt like the move, their, their version was off. But I, I didn't want to look it up because I didn't want to know. I just wanted to roll with it. Maybe, Maybe the... There's a different version where they they cut the fire part out and it just says power. Who do we know? Yeah. Maybe 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 they were going off the mono mix from a certain point. We think. All right, a naturalist on Hoth by Hank Green. This is a very different one. 
It's very different. So yeah. yeah, we you had you went from Veers, which is just like par, party time with General Veers, and then yeah, then you get to a naturalist on Hoth. It's another new character. It's it's surprisingly kind of a sad story. Yeah, it's like uh, Silent Running or something. <laughs> it really is. Oh my god, it's Silent Running on Hoth, where this guy is like, I, I'm going to stay with my friend, the Tauntauns. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this one just because I think I like if they're going to go off the movie when they go way off the movie and just the idea of here's a scientist in Star Wars, which is not a character we ever get to interact with. Like the only time we see scientists in Star Wars are getting shot usually. So just that idea. And I like the way it kind of told us about the base on Hoth, but from a different perspective, like as opposed to like the other stories where like I am in the base on Hoth and this is what it looks like. Like this is from, I'm a scientist and I'm exploring and we found these caves because of how Tauntauns sleep and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I was really into it. Took me by surprise. I got into it. I don't know how to rate this. How are you rating it? I'm going to give this one a wizard because like I said, this, I like when they get really out there like this. So this one was a wizard for me. I got to give this one up. It's a possibly, but it's a high possibly. It's almost a wizard. From a certain point. We think. From a certain point. Possibly. All right, moving on. This one is a, a little bit different. This is the Dragon Snake Saves R2-D2, and this is a cartoon by Katie Cook. I really appreciate them just throwing like a little like one-page comic in there right in the middle. It's a neat little change of pace. I like that. Somebody thought to do that. I would love to see more of that, like in the Return of the Jedi. Certain point of view, just do one story in comic form. I think that would be really cool. It's fun. It's great. It's neat. It's not essential. It's just kind of like, ah, okay, on to the next story. I enjoyed it. They had one comic in the last book, and I forgot to look up to see if it was the same cartoonist or if it was someone different so but i was happy that they did keep that tradition of having at least one cartoon but i agree with you it would be nice to maybe open that up and have a few comic artists i mean it almost makes me want them do a, a companion comic version where they have you know 40 authors write short stories and then do a comic trade paperback or something with 40 comic artists, you know, drawing and writing stories or something like that would be cool. I guess it is a little weird just to throw one in, but I don't know. I enjoyed it enough that uh, I would give it a possibly. Yeah. The new hope one was a little one page thing to the same thing by Jeffrey Brown. Just a little funny one of like rebel people going back to, uh, to Dan Tuin. the same kind of thing. Just really kind of cute. But yeah, that's the thing too, that it's a, uh, both of them were just kind of cute little, like one page little stories, but I would yeah love to see them stretching out kind of what they could do with graphic novel kind of sequential art, if you will, kind of in this format. Um, yeah, I'll give it a possibly. From a certain point. Possibly. Next story is For the Last Time by Beth Revis. All about Piet. I liked this one. I really liked that the thing with Piet seeing the head of Anakin underneath the helmet and how that made 
Vader less fearful, kind of being like he's just a man and like Piet wondering, like, does he have eyes at all? Like, what is going on under there? And then kind of seeing Ozzel being killed makes Piet kind of fear Vader again and all that stuff. Just kind of Piet dealing with the scariness and fear that all these Imperial officers have of Darth Vader and just working through that. I don't know. I was like, that's really interesting because I always kind of looked at Piet as more of like a weasel, I think, just because of the actor's face. You know, I never really took him as like an intimidating Imperial figure, like. Veers kind of looks scary. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one too. And I think it's similar to the the Ozzel one in the way of just the framing and the the, the concept of the story really goes a long way um, in addition to just enjoying the stories about the officers. Using him seeing Vader's humanness in the in the meditation chamber as kind of the the framing device to to get inside Piet's head was just another like clever way to make the story even better and yeah just seeing him go from being afraid of him to almost pitying him and then going back to being afraid because he realizes that 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 works in his advantage to have that fear yeah i give this one a wizard uh it's a wizard for me too from a certain point Moving on, Rendezvous Point by Jason Fry. All about Wedge. And in A New Hope, we had a story about fake Wedge, which is much appreciated. And now in The Empire Story, we have a story about real Wedge. And I I enjoyed this one a lot. Jason Fry was saying that he wanted to make this like a homage to the old kind of Michael Stackpole Rogue Squadron books, which I had a, a brief fling with. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, whatever, especially the comics, the Rogue Squadron comics, and and I love Wedge, and this kind of reminded me of all that, and I've always kind of wondered what happened to the Rebels that did go to the rendezvous point, like, good luck, Luke, see you at the rendezvous. Luke doesn't go there. Han and Leia don't go there. So what happens to the Alliance at the rendezvous? This kind of tells you that story. About what was the next step for the Rebel Alliance after the Battle of Hoth? And I was just like, hey, this is kind of fascinating. And them kind of moving Wedge up because they don't, there's like, we don't know if Commander Skywalker's coming back. We don't know what happened. Yeah, I really, really like this one as well. It was, it was fun to see Wedge. It was cool to have him interacting with Jansen and them reminiscing about Hobby. And it was a perfect mix of, action and drama and i'm glad they gave him more pages to work with this was a longer story but it was one that didn't feel long like i think he took advantage of those extra pages and it was like a mini like a whole mini novel yeah i like that one a lot that's a it's almost a double wizard (laughs) if if that's possible you can do double wizard i'll give it a double wizard yeah that's it's a rare double wizard. And on page 144, they mention a toy that has com chips. <laughs> That's an instant double wizard. From a certain point. We think! We think! All right. Next story is The Final Order by Seth Dickinson. Again, we got another new character, Tyan Carmia. It's a commander on the Star Destroyer Ultimatum. It goes on for a while. It, it it gets really into kind of the mind of the Empire and kind of justifying the evil that they do. 
there's a brief mention of a t- of a Star Wars TV show called Laser Masters, yeah. which I <laughs> really appreciated about the Laser Masters defending the Senate chamber. But overall, it's like even like looking back on this one, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that story. It didn't it didn't really resonate with me. It didn't really do much. It was just kind of because maybe it was like between Ozil and Piet and Veers, we've gotten into the mind of the Empire. And there's even stories after this that do it and do it better. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. I don't want to be mean. No, this one I just I just yeah, I did not get into this one. It just didn't draw me in and yeah, I was I was kind of bored with this one, and I don't know that it was. Is it bad enough to be poodoo, or is it possibly? I think at least for me, I am going to give it poodoo because it's not that it was bad; it just did not hold my interest at all. So for me, it was a poodoo. I'm really sorry, but even with Laser Masters, I got to do poodoo. Yeah, and that's saying something. <laughs> Laser Masters couldn't save it. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Yeah, if 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 it didn't have the other Empire stories that were great, it would have been a different thing. But yeah, from point of view. Next story is Arma Kell's rules for Thai pilot survival, probably by Django Wexler. Yeah. So one person's perspective on uh, on the whole Thai Thai fighter. Thai pilot fighter life. And uh, one thing I, I liked in this, and maybe it was because of playing too much squadrons, was uh, rule number two was the real cause of death isn't getting shot down. It's running into things. Yeah. I can relate to that. I don't know, it, it's fine. It's, it's kind of it's wacky a little bit. They, at one point, they refer to Palpatine's, quote, withered nuts, which I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. All right, we're going there with that story. Yeah. No, I, I like this one. I like this one for doing like an empire thing in a little bit of a different way, and just kind of talking about the the annoyance of being a Tie Fighter pilot. They're like, yeah, we're not like those X wings. We don't have proton torpedoes or shields or. Well, yeah, this one definitely benefited from squadrons being out recently because everyone can who's played that game can totally relate to what's going on in the story. Yeah, this was one that kind of went up and down for me. I think it took me a little bit to warm up to it, but once I got into it, it was it was I think it's because it it was kind of action packed in addition to the character parts that were happening. So at least, you know, you were there was a there was some action to kind of to keep you involved while you're going through the uh interactions with the with the pilots. But it is kind of like this is like the Tie pilot story for teens or something with the Palpatine nuts and a couple other things, but it's cool. It's like it's definitely you know showing that with this book how all the stories are kind of all over the place and there's something for everybody and there's not just one way to tell a Star Wars story. Kind of the beauty of these books. Ah, this this one. I don't know. What are you rating it? it? It's a possibly for me. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't. The roof didn't open up, and rays of sun came through the roof, and I and I flied up into the heavens, flew up into the heavens, or anything. All right, yeah, I'll do possibly as well. From a certain point, of possibly. Moving along, the first lesson by Jim Zub. The moment Luke arrives on Dagobah and Yoda feeling it in the Force, it's a lot to live up to. It's it's Yoda. It's the, it's a very 
ripe story to tell. It's ready for the picking. And I, I like this one because I, I just liked that, that, just that moment of getting in Yoda's head. And I love when Yoda realizes that R2-D2 is R2-D2. And that's Anakin's droid. And Yoda's just kind of like, well, of course. You know? And I, just, I, I was just like, okay. It brought warm feelings to my heart. And uh, yeah, I, I give this one a wizard. Yeah, this one's a wizard for me too. It's maybe he has it easy because it's Yoda and it's Yoda thinking about Anakin and Padme as he looks at Luke. Like it's hitting me in the sweet spot, but the story was, was fun. And it is another one where just framing the story, like just in the moments before they meet was, was just kind of a neat way to do a Yoda story and ending him with him doing his goofy, uh, Found someone you have stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it's a wizard. Really good. Really, really good. From a certain point. So the next one is Disturbance by Mike Chen. Loved this one. Loved this one. Yeah. Capital letters underlined, circled, double wizard. Instead of an O, it's a heart. (laughs) Palpatine feeling the disturbance (laughs) in the force, which this is one where I was just like, bless these books because... It's 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 kind of like the rendezvous point where it's like, what was the disturbance that Palpatine felt? And when did he feel it? And what was that like for Palpatine? And how did he process that? Because that whole exchange between Palpatine and Vader and the Empire Strikes Back, like we have a new enemy, Luke Skywalker. It's it's a heavy moment because you're just like, oh man, you know Vader already knows. And when did Palpatine figure it out? And that whole Vader Palpatine kind of thing going back to Padme and the fact that Padme had a child, not let alone two children. <sighs> I, I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Palpatine knows about Vader's quest and Palpatine going through the motions to like let him have it. And Palpatine go, what, Anakin's dreams? You know we're a sucker for anything to do with Anakin's dreams. And the fact that it's Sidious basically watching Anakin's dreams was, it was just great. Yeah. This was like, I didn't know I wanted this story. And now that I've read the story, I'm really glad we have it. We've been gifted with this story. Yeah. This one is a, this might be another double wizard. Total double wizard. From a certain point. We think, we think. Next story. This is No Cave by Catherine M. Valenti. All right, so this is about the space slug. <laughs> at first, <laughs> at first, I was because uh, it came right after the Palpatine story, and I was on a high, like I was, I was stoned on drugs after that Palpatine story, <laughs> and then, and then we get we get to the space slug story, and it's kind of it's a little you know it's a little change of pace, and at first I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can even read this. I don't know if I can do this. Something about it, I was just like, no, I can't do it. But once we started to learn that the, the space slug's name is what? Sayo? Sayo, yes. That Sayo like, loves the Millennium Falcon crew inside of Sayo. And Sayo talks like that. Like, Sayo loves these little people. And the Minox are beautiful butterflies that Sayo gives as like a gift to the Millennium Falcon people. I was just like, okay, 
All right, I wasn't expecting that. It won me over. Yeah, I I really love this one right from the beginning. And if if the uh, disturbance story made you stoned on drugs, reading this story makes is makes you stoned on drugs. I think because it gets really weird with the the space slug talking about how it just travels the whole universe. And eventually, what, every millennia or something, all the slugs meet at the crew where they trade stories about all the creatures that they sustain in their insides. And it just, it's super, super weird and super out there and super sci-fi. And yet, it has Han and Leia and Chewie in it. And they calls the Minox butterflies. I don't know. I, I love this one, so. Sorry, it took you a while to warm up. No, I'm no, and I'm I'm glad it. I'm glad I did warm up, and I'm glad I, I I let it into my life, and I let Sayo win me over. And uh, I'll give you know what I'll give Space Slug a wizard because it it won me over. Yeah, it's definitely a wizard for me. I don't know. It's one of those stories that it's really out there, but it also kind of changes your impression of the space slug like now when i see the space slug in the movie instead of just thinking of this monster that's trying to eat them i'm gonna think of this story and think of sayo how sayo just wanted friends that he could take care of which i love it too because when in the movie when the falcon leaves the space slug does kind of retreat back into the cave kind of kind of sad (laughs) Yeah. It's like sad, and it's like, okay, yeah, all right, all right, I can get it. From a certain point. Greetings! All right, next story is Lord Vader Will See You Now by John Jackson Miller. Yeah, all about Ray Sloan, which I'm glad they worked Ray Sloan into this compilation short story anthology for The Empire Strikes Back. I liked this one, I, but maybe it's because I've always liked Ray Sloan, even back in with the, the Aftermath books. And yeah, again, with Squadrons, it's very much on everyone's mind and i like even though sloan is much younger in this story her kind of fearlessness and her ambition within the empire makes sense the whole thing towards the end that kind of discovering where the millennium falcon might had gone by the dead minox floating around in space and they bring the minox into the star destroyer and all that that's good stuff yeah, that being the thing that made Vader call upon the bounty hunters, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. This is, yeah. I wasn't sure what to expect going into it because I'm like, oh, man, how are they going to work Ray Sloan into this? But I was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I like this one because it, it I wasn't sure where it was going. And then it pretty much kind of turns into a detective story. And I'm a sucker for a detective story. So, like, with the whole Minoc thing and literally bringing the body in and, and showing the the where the blaster shot it and all that stuff like i was like okay i'm really into this story now good stuff a wizard we're on a wizard roll right now i think we're on a hot streak i'm giving it a wizard from next story virgence by tracy dion wild stuff real wild stuff yeah. this is okay all about the force cave on dagobah told from the perspective of the force cave this is what these books are for. You think, oh, that's cool. What a cool story. But then they're like, don't forget, the Force Cave was in Clone Wars. And this book doesn't forget it. It goes through the Clone Wars thing, talking about Yoda going there with the spirit of Qui-Gon. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going there. Yes. And Yoda visiting the cave kind of many more times during his period of exile on Dagobah. 
and kind of what the the force cave means for Yoda, like him going in there and confronting his fears, reminding him of his failures, going in there and seeing Ahsoka and stuff. I was just like, oh. And of course it has like the force cave part from Empire with Luke coming in and the cave kind of being like, who is this kid coming in with his lightsaber? What are you trying to do? Fascinating, crazy. The fact that this story pulled it off. Who is the author again? Tracy Dion. Oh, yeah. Somebody send Tracy Dion a thank you card because this story is excellent. Yeah. Well, just a story about the POV of the cave, the evil cave in the tree would have been enough, but just how they wove in Yoda and it all and ultimately kind of ending with the the cave realizing that it kind of has a relationship with Yoda and that they work together was just the icing on the cake of something that would have already been cool. But yeah, it was an excellent concept executed. Excellently. Double wizard. I'm sure. Double wizard. From point. We think, we think. Next story is tooth and claw by Michael Coggy or cog Bosk. all about Bosk. I like this one. We had like lots of, st- it's our first bounty hunter story. We had lots of stories about the Rebels and the Empire and weird Force stuff. And now it's kind of like, okay, bounty hunters. And it was kind of refreshing to get to that. It's kind of after the Force Cave. It's a real change of pace. And it's just a very Bosk story. With just, just Bosk and his complete hatred for Wookiees. And him like clawing his way into like a wooden Wookiee spaceship and just fighting Wookiees in the hallway of the spaceship and old warrior Wookiees and stuff and and naked Wookiees. <laughs> I was like, I had to read that a couple times. And, 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 and there is a shout out to Wasaka Berries in this story, which goes straight back to Wookiee storybook, which I was just like, oh my God, they talking about Wasaka Berries, that the little kid Wookiees are eating Wasaka Berries. So I don't, I really enjoyed this story. I was, you know, it's like I, I could read a whole Bosk book. That's what they call it, the Boss book. Yeah, that's a good point. After this, it did kind of make me more interested about seeing a, a, a just a Bosk adventure and kind of seeing what it what it could mean. Because um, this was a really crazy one, and it was one of those ones. I think there were a few parts where I was like, I don't know if this is too crazy for me, but then it always it always pulled itself back from being too much. You know, we find out the the Wookiee he's trying to capture is his long lost sister who he tried to eat in the nest. <laughs> and like it just gets so crazy. But uh yeah, they pull it off and by the end it was it was a lot of fun. We're wizard crazy. We're, it's like stunt rock. Sorcery is playing, and I'm. This is this is another wizard. Yeah, it's another wizard for me too. From point. We think. All right, next story is. I don't even know. Can you even say this one? It's S T E T. Is that even a word? <laughs> Stet by uh, Danielle Jose Older. Zuckus and four L O M or four Lom, depending on where you're from. It's a journalist writing about an encounter. This journalist had with Zuckus and 4OM like at a bar. It's real wacky. It's a real, real wacky one. This one felt like a Darth Field comic that was really long. 
That's very true. There would there was something that felt familiar <laughs> about it to me. I don't know. I'm kind of iffy on it because if it was like three pages, I'd have been like, that was fun. But it go it kind of outstays its welcome. And the joke of the Zuckus 401 thing, I'm like the editor, like a droid editor crossing out things in the story like you can't say that like that comes off a little harsh it just kind of kept going and going and going and you're kind of just like okay can we get to another story about something or i don't know it but what else do you expect for zuckus and for lom i guess i don't know i didn't hate it but it kind of bugged me (laughs) yeah this i feel like this was one like you had to be a writer to be into it because it was all about like being a writer and getting someone editing your work. Or I think it was, I think, is that the same author from, was it last shot, the Han Solo book? Yep. And that's, I think those aliens were from that. So I would think if you, maybe you were really into that book, you would be into this. Cause it ended up being more about those little tiny aliens with the mech suits. And it really was about Forlom or Zuckus. So I, yeah, this one, I, I didn't enjoy the story and it was hard to read because of the whole editor thing that they were going with with all the stuff blocked out in the notes and the margins and all of that so i think this one gets a poodoo from me uh, i gotta i gotta go with poodoo i'm sorry from a certain point of view. next story wait for it by zoreda cordova boba fett it's a boba fett story you knew it had to happen it's gonna be in there sooner or later i, I thought this one was really interesting it's funny because like I this one almost felt like it was too short. Some of the stories are too long, like Zuckus and Furl went on too long. And this one I was into it and I could have kept reading it. And maybe like with Boba being on the brain so much lately with Mandalorian with Bald Boba in the desert. The whole thing with Boba is kind of talking about having patience and waiting for things to happen and not rushing. And how Boba works alone, and he has to work alone. I don't know. It really got my my gears turning, thinking about bald Boba in the desert. And I was just like, okay, it's cool. I mean, at a certain point, it's like, what more can possibly be said about Boba Fett? You think that, and then you think about it more, and you're like, a lot, actually. Especially now. And yeah, maybe just because of the timing, it had an extra kick for me. Yeah, this one was pretty much just a straightforward Boba Fett story and it kind of was just hey this is what happened before the scene in the movie but they made it work and it was it was kept my attention it was enjoyable it had some good Boba thoughts some with him it was fun hearing him talk with the other bounty hunters and kind of remembering things from the Clone Wars cartoon and yeah it was a good solid little Boba Fett story I'll give it a wizard I think I'm just gonna give it a possibly just because not that it was not good but it was kind of what i would have expected okay i could see that i could see that from a certain point from a certain point possibly this next one is standard imperial procedure by sarwat chada i couldn't get into this (laughs) i could not get into this i wanted to Cause it was still kind of following the Boba Fett thing, but it was just kind of like after I finished the Boba Fett story, I was kind of just like, ah, oh. and then 
started reading this one and I was, I think I just had, I think I'm just mentally had a hard time transitioning to this one. It just didn't do anything for me. See, I actually liked this one and I'm trying to think I liked this one a lot just because maybe because I wasn't as into the Boba Fett before, but I liked that it kind of was about Boba Fett without being about Boba Fett. And I think I appreciated that they did something more outside of what was in the movie while still ending up with the scene in the movie with Boba floating out on the trash. I don't know. I, I enjoyed this one. I think I, I'm actually going to give this one a wizard even. Wow. This might be our most dramatic split because I, I think I'm giving this one a poodoo. So this is a, this is a real Siskel and Ebert kind of situation going on here. <laughs> but you know, that's, that speaks to you know these books. What what's some person's poodoo is another person's wizard. Yeah. And, you know, they could change. I could read the story again in a month and be like, what was I thinking? <laughs> you never know. That's the fun, yeah. From certain point of view. From certain point of view. All right, moving on. I think this one we might be in agreement on. The next one is There Is Always Another by Mackenzie Lee. Oh, will we? I don't know. The Obi-Wan, it's yeah, it's an Obi-Wan story. For me. I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Because I was all excited. Okay, yeah, here we go. Obi-Wan Kenobi. But the voice of it's kind of it's Obi-Wan just it's his voice through the whole story talking. And to me, I couldn't hear Alec Guinness. I couldn't hear Ewan McGregor. I couldn't even hear 1999 Ewan McGregor, spiky hair. Like I, I just, I it never sounded like Obi Wan to me, and I, I, it made me, and this is totally unfair, but it made me think back to the Obi Wan story in the 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 Star Wars one, the New Hope one, with him talking to Qui Gon and kind of just appearing out of the Force. I didn't get the sense of like Obi Wan being one with the Force in this story. It was almost like it. That's like the, it just didn't sound like Obi Wan Kenobi to me. And maybe that's because I don't know. I take Obi Wan Kenobi too seriously or something. I don't know. I just I was kind of like, what is this? This doesn't sound like Obi Wan. I, I so I wasn't into it. See, I at the beginning, and I get what you're coming from because I think the like the tone of his like the words he's choosing. It didn't seem like a traditional Obi-Wan, and it did kind of have like a, I don't know if there's a better word, he was like snarky, or there was like kind of a, like I'm reading a the uh, Star Wars Adventures comic, or like, it's like the goofy comic, not the serious comic kind of a thing, but I think it won me over because the, what he was saying felt like Obi-Wan, even though how he was saying maybe didn't feel like Obi-Wan, if that makes sense. Like if you were trying to read the words in Alec Guinness's voice, it wouldn't feel right. But the the sentiment behind the words made sense to me. I could get that, sure. And and it was kind of neat to see an Obi-Wan who's not comfortable maybe being dead yet. And kind of, I don't know, I really liked it. I think this is another Siskel and Ebert uh, split here because I... I, so. I kind of read it being like, yeah, no. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm giving it a poodoo. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm gonna give it a wizard. From certain point of view. From certain point of view. It's getting things are getting interesting here. Yeah. 
<laughs> start yelling at each other soon. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> it's done. Show's over, people. All right. Well, let's see how we do on this next one. Fake it till you make it by Kevin Scott. It's Jackson, the Kung Fu Bunny from the old Marvel comics, which bless them for putting a Jackson story in this book. You can go and buy a book and you're reading about a bunny smuggler guy from the old Marvel comics. It's funny. It's cute. If you're familiar with the old weird Marvel comics, Jackson sounds like Jackson. You can totally imagine that (laughs) bunny in his flight jumpsuit. It's really clever. It's really well-written. Jackson runs into Vader, which is really great. It maybe goes on a little too long. It's maybe just like six, seven, eight pages too long, you know, because at the end it's like it's it's still Jackson. But you know, I you know, I'm gonna I I really enjoyed this one because it was it legit like made me like chuckle while I was reading it. Just just the fact that it existed and it was really funny. It was fast paced and so. Uh, it's a strong, possibly almost a wizard. Very strong, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I really like this one. The The fake out at the beginning got me so much that I had to reread the beginning of the book because I thought I missed something because they're trying to convince you that it's Lando at the beginning and then you realize, no, it's not Lando and I thought I just missed a line. So, good job. Yeah, it was just of all the the certain point of view books to have Jackson in. It's funny that they picked the serious movie to put the rabbit in so that they get extra points for that too. Yeah. I don't know. I really liked it. I thought they made it work. They made a giant wisecracking rabbit fit in empire strike back and almost feel like I could see myself watching it in the movie. And it was maybe long, but the, the payoff at the end where you realize that Jackson really does have a heart of gold. I think made it all worthwhile. So I think this one's a wizard for me. I've warmed up to the book now that we're in the middle here and I'm on, I'm on a wizard streak. You know, you describing it to I'm going wizard. Everything about it. It's, it's wizard. From a certain point. The next story is, but what does he eat by S a Chakraborty story? The answer is yes. The age old question of, (laughs) The dinner on Cloud City, and half the people there have helmets on that they may or may not take off. So why is the food there? Who made the food? What was the arrangement for making said food? And yeah, this story tells uh, the tale of the cooks on Cloud City. Yeah, the uh, celebrity chef. What was her name? Was it Toro? Yeah, it was Toro because I kept thinking of Toro from Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, and she's she's a she's a, a devil person, a Devorian, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a great part in the story just about how she can just grab stuff out of the oven because they're flame resistant. <laughs> she doesn't need a an oven mitt. I was like, oh yeah, they make good cooks. I yeah, I enjoyed this one. It's fun. It's super fun. Yeah, answers the, the the old question of what food was it. They like I like that it's mainly Lando says it's mainly just for show, not exactly for eating, and just make it look real fancy. 
yeah, I uh, I thought this one was fun. I thought it was good. I I, I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. It was again, these are the stories that these books are made for. Like, if there's a book like this, this is what I want it to tell me about. I want to know about the dinner, who made the dinner for Vader, and yeah, the characters are interesting. It was the story was told well, and it gets a little little drama toward the end where they're thinking about trying to poison Darth Vader, but right, um, yeah, right. But again, it's Star Wars food, so I have to love it. So yeah, it was <laughs> it's definitely a wizard from me. Yeah, I'll give it a wizard. Super fun. From certain point. Moving on, the next story is Beyond the Clouds by Lilium Rivera. <sighs> Not a fan? No. <laughs> no. So, so what do we have here? It's like this this Boba Fett kind of super fan situation, right? Yeah, this was a strange one. She wants to be a bounty hunter to get off of Cloud City, and she hears Boba's going to be there, so she wants to do a job so she can get introduced to Boba because she thinks Boba is going to give her a shot as a bounty hunter. There's a girl she likes that ends up being the person she has to get or something. I'm kind of confused by this one, but yeah, I wasn't into this one either. It just didn't do anything for me. And maybe that was because I was just kind of like, oh, we got more Boba Fett now. And it's kind of just, uh, just I, I never connected it with from with it from the beginning. Again, it it's not like it's bad. It's not like it's terrible. It just didn't, I didn't connect with it. So I got to give it a poo-doo. Yeah, me too. It's it was just this was not my kind of story and I'm sure that there's somebody that this was going to be one of their favorites, but yeah, I it's a poodoo for me. I just wasn't into it from a certain point. Of view. Now this next story, No Time for Poetry by Austin Walker is something a little different. Yeah, we got we got Dengar and IG88, the best friends, the buddies we all want to know more about. I I had a lot of fun with this one. They're they're playing Sabak. There's like a, a, a Falcon lookalike that they kind of get sucked into thinking is Millennium Falcon, and they go inside, and then it's definitely not the Millennium Falcon inside this Falcon lookalike ship. I I love hearing uh, Dengar and IG88's banter back and forth. This one was unexpected. It wasn't like what you would think a Dengar IG-88 story would be, but it still felt very right on. But yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an odd balance, and it's an, kind of an odd story, but I like this one. Yeah, it almost felt like it was a little bit like Mando and IG-11's kind of interaction of just this mechanical mind and this kind of rough guy who you think aren't going to get along, but they, they kind of grow out each other. And I do like the title of it. The no time for poetry is from what IG 88 says something that, that does Dengar say that's poetry or it's just the whole idea of IG 88 basically saying anything inspiring or philosophical is, is its own enjoyment. I'll give this one. It's, yeah. it's a small wizard. It's a very it's it's a miniature wizard, but it's still a wizard. It's it's barely peeking into wizard, but I, I have no complaints with this one. It's like an apprentice. He's yeah. almost a wizard. No, I I think I enjoyed this one enough. I would give this one a wizard. From a certain point of view, Bespin Escape by Martha Wells. Ugnots, Ugnot Town, all Ugnots. If you're saying if we're gonna get an Empire Strikes Back story, if we're gonna get Cloud City stories, we gotta have a story all about Ugnots. 
and here it is. I, you know, I had high hopes for the the Ugnot story. I really did. It's Ugnot's escaping. You know, my, I feel like my thing is, it's like we had kind of other stories like with escaping with the echo base kind of stuff. And I didn't really pick up on it that empire, the beginning of empire and end of empire are kind of similar with people escaping from a place with white walls. Yeah. So <laughs> this story kind of weirdly like felt familiar in a way of things we already read. I didn't really connect with the Ugnot characters very much, which is a shame, you know, because after Queel, we all have like Ugnot fever so I don't know, like, I was excited for this one, and maybe that was part of the problem. I went in with too much anticipation because it's Ugnaughts, but I don't know. i got to give it a possibly. Yeah, I was excited for Ugnaughts, and I appreciate the story for kind of telling us that there was the idea there was an Ugnaught town, and there were the different families and different kind of factions of Ugnaughts, and there was, like, Ugnaught inter-family drama. Like, it wasn't just, like, they all just worked at the gas mines and were buddies. But the actual bigger story, yeah, just was just didn't didn't I don't know suck me in enough to uh, push it to the upper levels that some of these other stories did. So I'm I'm with you on this. Was a it was a possibly from a certain point of possibly faith in an old friend by Brittany N. Williams. Ooh, all right. Mm-hmm. So okay, this could be my favorite story in the whole book. This was the one where after reading it, I was like ready to yeah, run down the street naked, high five all the neighbors. The, the the roof collapsed, sunshine came in, I floated up to the sky. This was this was the story. And this story too, when they first did that little blitz online of here's all the stories and here's all the authors, this was the one where I was like, Oh my god, they're doing an L three three seven Lando story. It's, it's kind of like what we were always hoped maybe we'd get three seconds of in the rise of Skywalker or something, but I'm glad we didn't because we could then get well, however many pages this story is, this is better. It's more in depth and yeah, it's L three, three, seven in the central computer for the Millennium Falcon reuniting kind of with Lando Calrissian, L337 working behind the scenes throughout all of Empire. And the the author captures the voice of L337 perfectly. I could hear it while I was reading and it made me smile. It made me love Solo more, I feel like. It made me love even L337 more, which I loved her a lot in solo and talking about how L3 had the other two droid brains in the Falcon kind of teaching them individuality and stuff. It's just, just wonderful. This story, I, yeah, if, if you read one story in the empire, certain point of view, it's this one. I loved it. Loved it so much. Yeah, me too. Everything you were saying in this one. Yeah. Maybe the best one you read, L337's words and it sounds like she's saying them right out of the movie. I had the same sort of reaction too that it made me extra sad about Rise of Skywalker that not even that we didn't get to see Lando speak to L337 but just getting some knowing that Lando got the Falcon back <laughs> would have maybe been enough. But and yeah, it also it made me like 
solo more and even feel better about solo because I do get the the criticism of depending on how you look at it, it can be pretty dark that they put L337 into the Falcon. But this story kind of makes it, it makes you feel good about it because she's still herself and she's doing her thing and she's making friends and she's making computer programs be individuals and not just be number crunchers and her still just trying to help out in any way she can and, and being excited about seeing Lando on the, on the security cameras. I don't know. Yeah. It just, it, it had everything. It was sweet and it was fun and there was some action and any of these stories when it, it makes the movies better. Like now when I watch solo, I'm going to think about this story. So that's probably the best that you could hope for with a book like this. Double wizard, triple wizard. Yeah. Maybe, uh, a triple wizard off a off a diving board, <laughs> the, the really tall diving board. <laughs> From a certain point. Do on Batu by Rob Hart. It's the Will Hood story. You knew that just you know like you knew it had to happen. It's fun. I like that uh, Will Rowe Hood's like ice cream maker. It's almost like a Pulp Fiction thing. Like, what's in the briefcase? We're never, we're never gonna know. It doesn't try and get too deep with Will Rowe Hood, but it gives you just enough explanation about who Will Rowe Hood was and why he was running down the hall with his quote ice cream maker. It's fun. I liked it. Uh, you know, it's not the L three three seven story, kind of coming off of it, it but it's. Totally is what it should be, I feel like. Yeah, I, that was my same reaction, that it's like, it's a Wilro Hood story, so what do we expect? And for a Wilro Hood story, it's probably perfect, but compared to some of the other stories, it's not like the best story in the book. I enjoyed it, and it was good for what it was, but I think it's it's a, it's definitely a, a possible, possibly... <laughs> It's a solid possibly. Solid possibly. From a certain point of possibly. All right. Up next is Into the Clouds by Karen Strong. This is a story of Jalen, who she loves clothes. She loves Leia. She's the daughter of a Tabana gas mine Cloud City person. I couldn't get into this. I could not connect with this. Had to reread several parts because my mind was just like thinking about other things while I was reading this one. <laughs> Again, I'm sure someone out there, this is their favorite story in the whole book. And I just, I was just like, uh, it was kind of the thing, like, with, like we said before, a lot of these stories that are about new kind of characters, like, you, you have to pause when you start reading them because you're just like, oh, okay. This is somebody not on screen. Okay, and it's, it, it, if you don't connect with them for the like, 10, 15 pages of the story, it's, you're, you're done. But I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do this one. Yeah, same thing with me. It was, it was kind of a, you know, you're a standard story of a girl who wants to get away from her life and she meets a handsome pilot and they run away together. But it really didn't have much to do with the movie other than being on cloud city. So just in comparison to everything else, it just, yeah, it didn't really stand out and just wasn't one that really sucked me in. So yeah, for me, I guess it's, it's going to be a poodoo. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's a poodoo. Sorry. <laughs> I feel bad giving poodoos. I know. From a certain point of view. Because 
that's the thing. None of these stories are bad. It just didn't really do anything for us. Next up, The Witness by Adam Christopher. We got a defecting stormtrooper on Cloud City. It's a stormtrooper watching the torture of Han Solo, and that's it. That's the breaking point. Can't do this stormtrooper life anymore. I wasn't, yeah, I went back and forth with this one of being kind of, is this like we've kind of seen this with Finn? It's interesting in the time of the Empire kind of more, and it makes sense watching Solo be tortured, kind of being like, I'm out. I, like, okay, that's interesting. But then kind of the stormtrooper goes through kind of hiding their way through the whole Luke and Vader lightsaber fight. To me, I was like, that's kind of a stretch that someone was like kind of hiding and watching Luke and Vader fight. That's kind of, do we need that? You know? It's funny because it's almost like a tag and bink story, but it's not being told as a funny story. And because it's a serious story, I think that does make it seem like a stretch that, and it didn't really need it. Like just a story about a stormtrooper deserting because of what happened on cloud city. Like that's enough of a compelling story that it could have been just that. And it didn't need the extra weirdness of her watching all of Vader and Luke's interactions at the end of the movie. And it's a thing too, where they're just kind of describing watching the Luke Vader fight from the end of the Empire Strikes Back. And again, it's like, yeah, I know I've seen it. (laughs) You don't, you don't have to tell me. Oh, this one. I don't know. Oh gosh. I'm going to give it a possibly just because I wasn't bored reading it. And I didn't feel like, like I wasn't mad when it was done. It was just like, eh, it was okay. Yeah. I'll go possibly. Yeah. From a certain point. Possibly. The Man Who Built Cloud City by Alexander Freed. King Yordos Condorius I, the original creator of Cloud City. Oh. <laughs> this, this was an, an interesting one. I don't know. I'm curious what you have to say about this one. It started out and I was like, I don't know what the heck is going on. And then I figured out what was going on. And I was like, I don't know about this one. And then it kind of grew on me for a little bit. And then I kind of lost interest. And then by the end, it like kind of totally changed. And then it ended. And I think it was kind of too serious, but also kind of dull. So I think by the end, I just I wasn't that into it. It walks a fine line because right away it starts out where you think, oh, this is going to be a goofy one. I think just kind of because of his name, King Yordos Cornderius the First, uh, it's kind of like oh, let's give me some, but yeah, it's kind of like serious, and it's again, it's like this is a new character, this or this is a made-up character, this is not someone directly from the film. It's kind of like ah, I don't, yeah, I wasn't really into it. It's like if if. If this book was a Star Wars TV series, this would be the episode, like the very, the very special episode about mental illness that they had because they needed to have like a serious episode where on its own, I could maybe be into it, but it just kind of didn't fit in with the rest of the book. I gotta give it a poodoo. Yeah, I think, I think it's a poodoo. From a certain point of view. I still feel bad about the poodoos, but... I know, I know, I know. Maybe when we return the Jedi one, we need to soften that poodoo or something. <laughs> Just because it's called poodoo doesn't mean it's that bad. That's true. But, That's true. You know, 
Sometimes you just got to do the poo-doo. <laughs> All right. Next one, the backup backup plan by Ann Toole. Cloud car pilots. Finally. We were talking about cow, cloud car pilots. Is that what that one was about? <laughs> I'm not even sure. Because <laughs> I couldn't, I just, I could not get into this one. No, um, and I'm curious to see what you thought because it was just maybe because it was coming at the end of the book. It's very, it's a longer one, and yeah, I just I could not get into this one. It made me think back to the A New Hope book, where that book had towards the end fake wedge, and it it had a lot of stuff on the Yavin base that was like really rousing. And, and maybe it's a thing with this book that you kind of have like a few stories towards the end that are just a little flat, which is kind of surprising. But it is Empire Strikes Back that just kind of ends and it ends on a kind of a, a downer a little bit. So they can't really get too rousing because if they're on Cloud City, you've basically gotten taken over by the Empire and... The happiest thing that can happen, I guess, is you you get off of Cloud City, which isn't necessarily that dramatic. I don't know. I, yeah, I had a really hard time connecting with this one. I feel like my eyes were going cross-eyed reading it. I was just, uh, it's just, it's so harsh the poodoo, but I got to give it a poodoo because I was just like, what, what's even happening here? What am I reading? Uh, I'm glad it wasn't just me because I, I felt the same way. So yeah, this one is uh, is a poodoo for me too. From a certain point of view. If you love this one, bless you, thank you, and let us know. Give us give us some help with this one. Tell us why you loved it. I have a feeling we have different thoughts about this next story. Not different thoughts of each other, but different thoughts compared to the backup backup plan. Right Hand Man by Lydia Kang. Yeah, all, another one of our favorites of the show. 2-1-B, the hero of the show. The, the real kind of final story in the book. How are you going to end it? You got to end it with 2-1-B. You got the big showstopper. The big... <laughs> you save, it's like Wildpalooza. The big band plays last. 2-1-B comes out. Already, you know, we love 2-1-B. But this is extra special because this is an intimate conversation between 2-1-B and Luke. Just kind of waxing philosophic. But not having a hand. What does that mean? Do you really need a hand? Luke going back and forth that maybe he doesn't want to have a robot hand. Maybe he doesn't deserve a robot. He doesn't deserve a new hand. This crude matter. And that kind of, it, it's cool because I really started thinking about it where you see Luke, where father, like laying in the bed, you know, in, in the Falcon. And the next time you see Luke, he's kind of smiling. He's got his robot hand. He's kind of feeling okay. And it was like, well, what happened in between him, like laying in the bed, sweaty, being like, why didn't you tell me, Father? And kind of feeling all right and looking out the window with Leia. It was a conversation with 2-1-B, of course. Who we find out is the exact same 2-1-B from Hoth, which I, it makes perfect sense. I don't think it ever crossed my mind that it was the same 2-1-B, but I'm glad that it was. And again, this is one of those stories where it's 2-1-B, and I expected to like it because it's 2-1-B, and it's it's a story about a droid, but... They took the concept of Luke and 2NB talking and basically, you know, took it to the next level where it is very serious, but not dull. And it's just like, yeah, this great philosophical discussion between Luke and a medical droid. And it, I don't know, it's just, it was perfect. And I think it was extra 
special to me because I knew there was a 2-1-B story. And when it didn't happen in Echo Base, I was really confused and thought maybe that it got cut or something. So when it finally showed up, I was so relieved that I wasn't going crazy. Because I it, it totally didn't even dawn on me that, oh, yeah, there's it's 2-1-B at the end of the movie, too. Putting his hand on. Yeah, ex- expanding on the, the wonderful take care, sir. So big fan. Big wizard for the two one B story, yeah. Wizard from me, and it was a perfect way to end up to end out the book, and it made sense because it's the end of the movie. But the way it was handled really, I think, put a nice bow on the end of the book. From a certain point, we think. But it's not really over yet. We got one more. <laughs> the Wills Strike Back by Tom Engelberger, who also closed out the first book with. Another Wills thing, which I want to say I don't remember you liking last time. So how did you feel about it this time? Well, I was used to it this time around. I don't remember if I liked it or not. That would make sense that I didn't. Because it's, it's <laughs> kind of like the, the kind of snarky, kind of real world kind of thing. But this time I was used to it. And it's, it's short. And it's a nice kind of way to end out the anthology. It's... It, you know, it's very kind of robot chickenish, like kind of making fun of the crawl and the wills are kind of watching the crawl, kind of being like, what are they talking about? I enjoyed it more this time. It's fun. It's clever. It's cute. It's all right. I'll give it a wizard. Who cares? I I, I think I had the same reaction uh, this time to last time where it, it started out. I was like, I don't know about this, but then I started chuckling and it, it grew on me and yeah, by the end. Uh, it's a wizard, and also it's almost like if this book was a meal, this is the like the the chocolate mint they give you after your meal to clean your mouth or something. Like it was a nice little little treat. Yeah, yeah, a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah. It's only a wafer thin. Yeah, just yeah. A little, a little chocolate mint from a certain point. We think so. That's it. Forty stories for forty years of Empire Strikes Back. Good book. Really great time. Love these books. Yeah. Uh, real quick, bef- before we go out, what, in three years, the the 40-year anniversary, certain point of view for Return of the Jedi, what characters have to be in the certain point of view Return of the Jedi? Just off the top of your head, Gabe. Bib Fortuna. Yeah, of course, I want Maydeen. Bomar Monks. Yes. Uh, one of the Prune Faces. Yes. Hopefully a man man There was a wonderful comic book called Green Leader about the... The, with the A-Wing pilot that crashes his A-Wing into the Star Destroyer. Too late! Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. kind of an expansion of that. Maybe we'll get a Gray Squadron with the... Uh, granny, granny Squadron? <laughs> yes, the Granny Squadron story. Lots of Ewok stuff. Maybe a story about the ATST driver that was played by Richard Marquand. EV-99. Mm-hmm. A day in the life of the uh, the droid torture room at Jabba's Palace. Yeah, you know Ula's getting a story. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, ripe fruit to pick for that book. So something to look forward to. Well, if, if you listen to this whole thing and you didn't get the book, sorry we ruined it for you. <laughs> but you should go and order yourself a copy of uh, a certain point of view Empire Strikes Back. And maybe you did listen to it. And maybe you're just like, oh, hey. 
I know so-and-so who would really love that book. Go buy them a copy. It's not even very expensive. Get somebody a little little treat. People need some presents, you know? People should read more nowadays. And I hear, I didn't do it, but I hear that the audiobook version of this is really awesome. So maybe you already read it and maybe you want to experience it again in audio. Maybe that'd be a cool thing to do. I don't know. I kind of want to try that myself. Yeah, so thank you again to Delray for hooking us up. We, we wouldn't have been able to pull this off without you, you good folks sending us the book. Critics are disappointed. Consumers looking for an escape into fantasy this summer will have the last word. Left me confused. <laughs> I didn't understand any of it. Special effects were tremendous. Really enjoyed it. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't like the ending. It could have been a better ending. It's a nice beginning to a new religion. It was fantastic. I like that. Force be with you. The big question mark is whether the Force is still strong enough to make the Empire successful as Star Wars. If not, the future of the whole series could be lost in space. Gene Cubison, News 8, East San Diego. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. podcast reviews when you're done listening to this episode if you listen on something apple go over there write us a little review say something nice about the show it helps the show in mysterious unknown ugnaught city ways and most importantly we love reading them and we're going to read your review on an upcoming show and make sure you check out our website blastpointspodcast.com Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, make sure you sign up for, I'm even going to say it correctly today, the Blast Point Super Live Super Star Wars Chill Group. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was called. We, if we, you need us to make the name longer, we might be able to do that too. I've changed it sometimes and people never even notice. So. <laughs> That's because I always call it the Super Chill Group, regardless of what you named it. So it's my fault. Well, if you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon, where every week we are doing Mandalorian review episodes. We just had the Eris last weekend. Holy smokes, the Eris. Season two is season two hot, and it's cool and the gang is back, and they are playing their hit song, Mandalorian Season Two Hot, over and over again. Uh, a big thank you to all the members of the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. And yeah, and that's where all the uh, the weekly Mando episodes are happening. But yeah, that about wraps up number 244 here of Blast Points. Certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back. Overall, Gabe, what do you give the book overall? Oh, overall, it's a wizard. It's a wizard for me, overall. Yeah, I mean, we said earlier, I'm so glad they came up with this whole concept and... I hope to be alive long enough for to read this for all the book, all the movies. 
when we're in our 80s, we can read. Certain point of Revenge of the Sith. Oh, let's do it. Here we go. <laughs> well, all right, folks. We'll be back next week with more fun. Soggy Year, I think, is coming back next week. So something to look forward to. But yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, I know you think you can't trust me. That I'm a liar you just shouldn't believe. But please know it's all true. From a certain point of view. May the Force be with all of you.